I was not what I was meant to be. I was not in their eyes a success. And so to my mum, it was a massive shame because every sister now looked down on her for being a failure. Conversations with Earl Grey is where I, Sam, meet up with someone every week, an everyday person, and we talk about everyday things, but really digging deep into what it means to be human, what it means to live, and what it means to have a spirituality. So join us for another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. I have a friend of mine, Popo here, or Hello. Andrew Andrew Lowe. Why do you go by the name of Popo, by the way? Uh-oh. It's, uh, it's a great question, Sam. Uh, this is not a great time to do it because sometimes some of my friends actually don't know my real name is not Popo. Oh, wow. So if I talk about it here, I might get exposed. But the long story short is that back in primary school, I used to get bullied lots. Uh, oh. I was a bit of a loser. Nothing's really changed, but here I am. And <laughs> uh-oh, uh, the insecurities are already coming out two minutes in. Um, pretty much I used to get bullied, and there's a show on. You might have heard of it, Sam. It's called Dragon Ball Z. There's a character called Mr. Popo, and that day on Dragon Ball Z, Mr. Which Popo was crying. Which one's Mr. Popo? He is uh, the dark-skinned one. He is the uh, large, round sensei. Oh, right, yeah. right, right, but right, right. Long story short, he was crying one day. That day at school, they also made me cry, and thus they called me Popo. And I just kept going with it through high school because I thought in high school it'd be a great time to renew my identity, walking up the steps of Epping Station in Year 7, <laughs> saying to myself, high school is going to be cool, girls will like you. I was very wrong, Sam. And that's the reason why I'm called Popo. <laughs> Well, strangely enough, I guess girls do like you because you have a girlfriend and we've got this spare 45 minutes to do this podcast because you drove your girlfriend here. That's right. I am what you might call the glorified chauffeur. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, should I call you Popo or Andrew? You can, you can call me what you like, Sam. My friends call me Popo. I only go really by Andrew if you're my dad or my mom <laughs> or someone I'm working with. Is this a work conversation? I don't really think so. All right, I'll interchange so, the two so that work and friends will understand Yeah, you can call me to. Barry as well. We can go anywhere in between. It doesn't, doesn't really matter, Sam. It doesn't really matter. So, Popo, tell us a little bit about yourself. You, I know you used to be a dancer. Yep. Uh, that, that hurts me deeply because... I used to be a dancer refers to the fact that I've had about six knee surgeries oh, on wow. both my knees. And so I used to be a dancer because my knees are now gone. And I actually am waiting for one more surgery as well. Wow. Um, what happened to them? I was, I was dancing. Uh, I, I, do a, I, I do a type of dance called breaking, or some people might call it break dancing. Yes. As you might imagine, lots of breaking of the knees is involved in that. Wow. And so over the last six years, I've just busted both my knees and had many surgeries. So were you one of those people who danced outside the entertainment center? Wait, wait, wait. What do you... Yeah, one of those people. <laughs> what is this anonymous name? No, of, of, of course, I was loud and proud. Not one of these anonymous people. I was the guy who made the show there. Sarah. Right. So listeners, if you don't know, back 
a long, long time ago, there used to be a place called the Sydney Entertainment Centre. And um, on the front of the, the, the foyer are these floor-to-ceiling... Um, glass doors. Glass yeah, doors, which glass were very reflective, doors. right? Correct, correct. And so these... Punks with these punks apparently with, um, snapbacks. Snapbacks. Is that right? I think you're car- caricaturing a few snapbacks of us. Snapbacks and baggy jeans with chains. I hope my dance friends aren't listening. <laughs> Would dance <laughs> there with uh, with uh, loudspeakers. With loudspeakers. Look Boom at boxes. Sam. Sam, where here? <laughs> Articulate, knowing, having lots of street cred in front of me. Oh, he actually yeah. wears. Completely head to toe tattooed, oh, rings yeah. everywhere. Yeah, look at these you, rings. You could not see a man who was not more street cred. <laughs> I know, I know. What's what's up, my shizzle? My shizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Quick cut the recording, stop. We just restarted again. <laughs> okay. All right, so you used to be a dancer? I, I was Tell one us, of those. What, what else did you do? Uh, I used to study medical science back in the day. Uh, as a good Asian boy, I thought my parents would love me to be a doctor. Uh, funny story, the place I live in right now, they actually bought that apartment the day, uh, one of the uh, early in my life, knowing that one day I would go to UNSW and study medicine. And boy, did I disappoint every one of their dreams. It was excellence. Studied medical science and did not continue to do medicine and instead went to work in a church. Well, tell me a little bit about that. You're, you're, I'm assuming your parents are Chinese. They are indeed yeah. Chinese from Malaysia. Chinese. From Malaysia. And are they Christians? They are not Christians. They're not Christians. They are very upset that I am such a man. So so here you are, a, a someone with a different faith to your parents, having not fulfilled your parents' dreams and desires. Tell us a little bit about that. What What happened there? Yeah, it was... I guess it's a, it's a difficult thing to answer, Sam, because I guess all families are a little bit complicated in many ways. Yeah. Um, from not just even before as a Christian, I think, I think even before that we didn't see eye to eye on lots of things. Um, it got to the point one day, like years ago, back in year 10 or year 11, I think, where we didn't see so eye to eye that I eventually left home quite early on. That's, so, wow. You're Asian. I'm and, Asian. And moving out of home at such a young age is a, isn't what Asians, that's not what Asians do. It's not, it's not. I guess I would just say I was more stubborn and maybe more Western than the rest <laughs> of my Asian brothers. Um, I don't know. I'm just a stubborn, young punk sort of guy. And early on, I just couldn't take it. And so I just thought it would be better to be free and poor rather than rich and with my family. Right. Um, which I actually am not sure that I am the most proud of right now as right. a decision that I made. Right. Right. Uh, so uh, all just to say that uh, back in university when I decided to not go into working or doing medicine, I I had lots of disagreements beforehand with my parents, I guess. So it wasn't just the first time that it came up. Yeah. I guess at the core of it, it, it sort of depends on lots of how you are wired in your worldview, right? What you see, what you think is important, what you value. Yeah, My yeah. parents naturally came here valuing uh, security, comfort, is what they might say. Particularly uh, the idea of uh, save for that rainy day. You never know if something bad will yeah, happen. Yeah. You have to have money for that. Yeah, risk uh, adverse absolutely. kind of Asians. Absolutely. You know? uh, I, I still imagine my mom in the car driving around 
regularly clinging to the sides of her car for her dear life, always afraid that she'd be in a car crash. <laughs> Just naturally risk averse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so did you, was, you know, the whole honour and shame thing, did you, in a way, dishonour your parents from their perspective at least? I think my parents uh, have still not gotten over that to some degree. Even though we've talked about it, we've reconciled, we've said sorry in different ways. I think my parents look back at that time in high school, um, back when I left home, as the greatest act of dishonor in their face. Right. It it, it was because particularly uh, my extended family found out and it made my mom feel so ashamed that she felt like she couldn't go back to Malaysia to see them again. Wow. Uh, she she thought that she, it looked like she was a massive failure. Right. It looked like she had a job to be an Asian mother and her son, who's the example really of what your parents do in Asian culture. Your, your children are, are how well you've succeeded yeah, in life. Yeah. I was not what I was meant to be. I was not in their eyes a success. And so to my mom, it was a massive shame because every sister now looked down on her for being a failure. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely say honor shame was a massive part yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't only just her feeling ashamed of herself, but her being shamed by her um, sisters yeah, as well. Absolutely. Were absolutely. you the um, only child? No, I had uh, a singular younger sister. Okay. Who was um, much harder working than me, much more diligent than I was, much more of a stable, normal uh, Asian child. Yeah. Uh, where I was not. Um, yes, yeah, so I wasn't the only child. Okay. I wasn't the only okay. child. So tell me, coming out from there, uh, now you're a bit more of an adult. It seems you are, you lean towards making risky decisions. Well, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't want to say that my life is about making risky decisions. <laughs> I, I would, I would more say I want to make decisions that aren't necessarily just informed by what I've seen before. Just because some people make the same decisions as people before them, it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to make them as well. So for example, if I've seen the typical career path be X, Y, and Z for the last 100 years, my natural question is, why? Why is it like that? Is that the right. best way we could do this? Is that really what I want to do? Yeah, uh, It's sort of more how I think. And I guess it's perceived by some people as more risky, I guess yeah, is what I would yeah. say. Why do you lean in that is that a character thing? Is it a rebellious thing? You say you're stubborn? I would I would say it's a few of those things. I think it's a level of character. There's a level, level of stubbornness and pride. I definitely value my own opinions more than others until I'm convinced otherwise. I think I'm definitely stubborn. But also I do think that the world is changing, I think. Right. I think the way that we might have seen things in the past isn't always the case. And that sounds like a classic millennial, young, punk person thing to say. But I think it's a good attitude to ask the question, why? Uh, at the very worst, you'll ask the question, why? Uh, look into it and realize, actually, they've got great rationale for what they're doing. Yeah. And so, so actually, when you make decisions, I think you make wiser decisions then, as opposed to if you just went with the typical thing. Yeah. Yeah. So walk me through your decision of not going into medicine or a health science career. Yeah. And jumping into working for church. You talk about making a wise. How was this a wise decision? Well, you're asking me now several years after I've been <laughs> at university, Sam. So 
the level of wisdom is what I hope to have increased in. I'm not sure if that's so, but back in university, if you asked me then, I would think I would say uh, in really simple terms, there are lots of people out there willing to become doctors, people who are good at being doctors, but there aren't lots of people who are willing to say work in a church. I think both are super crucial. Both of them work with people's lives. Uh, the doctors work with physical health. Pastors can, you could say, work with spiritual health mm. in some ways. Um, I would say they're both crucial and important and good. Not necessarily one is better than the other, but if they both have great need and one has much less, a lot less people who are going to go into it, I thought the question, why not me? And I couldn't really come up with a good answer, why not? And so from then, my, my decision was, okay, if it's something that I really believe, I think the gospel is important. I think people need to hear about what I believe in. Uh, I love doing that with people. I'm good at that. Why don't I make a choice to go headlong for that until something goes opposite or contrary to what I've seen? Right. And looking back now, was that a wise decision? Or <laughs> I, th I, I think so. Did you make the right decision? I well, I guess that's the that's the nature of living in a, a life where you don't have foresight naturally, right? We, we don't know everything in the world <laughs> yeah, in the future, yeah, yeah. and that's a good thing. Uh, you're only held responsible, I think, for the choices that you make in the moment with the conscience that you have at that time. And so I think in the current time I was, I think I made the right choice. Okay. But I think that's part of uh, the good use of Jesus too in my life. Even if I mess up, that's okay. Uh, there is grace uh, and forgiveness for me because I am not judged by necessarily all the poor choices I make yeah. because of what Jesus has done for me. Yeah. But, I, but back to your question, I think I would say that was a wise choice because at the end of the day, with any choice you make, not just going to church ministry or anything, you don't really know what that will turn out to be like, yeah. do you? Like you, yeah. you never really know, right, Sam? I'm sure that you came into this podcast not really knowing. <laughs> you might look back after this podcast and be like, you know what? It really was a mistake to ask Poco to do a podcast. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Because you know what you can do, Sam? After this podcast, while you're editing it, you can listen to it. Listen to the dumb things that Popo is saying and press this magical button. Or delete. It's called... That's correct. You see, you already know it. You can press delete. In life... You, you don't really it. have the delete button. No. But the thing is that as you make those choices, you begin to see some things that you wouldn't normally have seen. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're both young, Sam. We can, uh, we're, both, we're both young men. Uh, that's okay. You can make those choices now to work things out. It's part of the bigger picture of growth, yeah. I reckon. It reminds me of a quote from um, from um, one of my favourite movies, the, the exotic, exotic Marigold Hotel mm -hmm. and um, the young Indian... Um, uh, manager of the hotel says to the elderly people, um, what does he say? It's um, it, uh, everything will be okay in the end. In the if end. it's not okay, then it's not the end. Oh, <laughs> is that a true quote? It, it is. It is. It, is, it comes yeah? from the movie. If it's yeah. not okay, then it's oh, not no, the it, end. Do you reckon the quote? Not just is it oh, a, right, a, right. an is, accurate is quote? It a, is it a is quote it a that right? actually is? Yeah, it's actually true. What do you reckon? Um, if it's not all right, 
is not the answer. Well, no, I don't. Well, from from my how I see the world, <laughs> so no, it's not. you're things you don't really believe. <laughs> Sam, I don't really know where you're that's going. The goal, that's the goal of these podcasts, yeah. right, yeah, is yeah. to pull things out of nowhere and yeah. see how people interact Just search with it. deep in the bucket and pull whatever you can grasp exactly, onto. Exactly, exactly. Yep, good, good. No, I don't, no, I don't think it is, cor- it is completely correct because <laughs> um, you might end up in a very horrible place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but Sam, what about for you then and making risky choices? Is that a thing that you're tuned to? Are you more naturally risk averse? What do you think about that? Um, that's that's very interesting, throwing the question back at me. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've caught him with his pants down, as I like to say. So, okay, you can put them back my off jeans now. ripped. Oh, the jeans are <laughs> You are looking particularly hipster to me. Yeah. You remind me of back in my university days, Sam. <laughs> Um, it's like you're going back in time instead of aging. I know, right? I know. I you're wearing this, a um, Sydney University, Sydney University jumper. jumper. You know you're many these... years out of Sydney University, right, Sam? Well, I, I was saying in the car this morning to my housemate that um, I am many years uh, before even reaching late 20s. Ah, <laughs> so you're incredibly delusional. Excellent. Excellent. No, so the question was... Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, do you think you're I more think risk averse? I think I'm a very I'm a very calculated risk taker. Okay. I will only take risks if I know in a calculable way there are rewards of okay. some kind. And so when you when you talk to a person like me who's risk averse, who doesn't necessarily go down the beaten path, who isn't always the most calculated, sometimes he is. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel uneasy if you want to make a choice with me? Uh, how, how, what, um, what words of wisdom might you even say to me? Well. The words of wisdom are exactly the exotic Murray Gold. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, so give them false and untrue hope. Exactly, Ah, exactly. I'm learning so So much about you today. Just rush forward, and if it doesn't work out, it's not the end, you know? He's really just saying that because he doesn't care about me. (laughs) I always think about life. Like, you know the, 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 the idea of time travel? Yeah, I do. Where it's like, it's like a river, and if you... Try and divert the river. It will still, it will. You can't divert a river. All rivers flow back. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There is, there is one, there is yep. one stream. Yeah. Um, and it will always go back to where it wants to go. Mm. I kind of think of history in a, in a semi-deterministic perspective. Okay. That um, God's in control. Yeah. Um, and I can divert the stream. I can take risks, but all I have to do is. Lean into the river, yeah, and follow the stream, yeah, and those risks, whether they succeed or not, yeah, will all turn out good. Any in the end, yeah. If it's not, if it's not good, then it's not the end. It's yeah. No, I I, I get that actually. Maybe the quote's having some more truth than we initially might have thought. Maybe maybe yeah. So back to you. Walk us through now, as you've gone through this apprenticeship thing. Yeah. What is what are some things that have surprised you and what are some things that you found were um yeah what are some been good surprises and what have been some bad surprises Yeah no that that's a great question um yeah so I'm doing a traineeship in my church now I've been doing this for the last year and a half or so I think I came into my traineeship having thought about it being yep this is a good thing that I need to tick off the list uh, and I knew that theoretically I would have to grow and I assumed that I would grow my skills lots and becoming more equipped, which I have been. But I think the really surprising thing, which is sort of a good and a bad thing, I would say, is I think I came in really proud. 
I think I thought I was uh, pretty good. I've done lots of stuff. I, I worked with another Christian organization beforehand, uh, doing a lot of work with them, having lots of positive encouragements. And then as I started really going to my traineeship, something that I had to start doing was reflecting more on myself. And I realized actually, I'm far worse and far less equipped and far less useful than I thought I ever would be. And I was far more of a sinner, far more even worse than I thought I originally was. That made me incredibly anxious at first. And I thought I was the absolute pits. I maybe should just bail out of this whole ministry thing. What good can I be to anyone if I'm as sinful or bad as this? I'm naturally proud. I naturally do things with wrong motives. I do all these things under the sun, which are terrible. How could I be someone who's trying to help people? It blew my mind. But as I was in that space of thinking about sort of how, how theoretically crap I was as a person, and practically. I, and practically, sorry, not just theoretically. <laughs> I'm actually quite a crap person as well. We just we just try to, we, we always try to minimize our sin. Even just like no, then, no. I just we just naturally do it. It's it's a crazy and thing. And I had to prod you. No, no, and, and I was and I was good. That's what you that's what you should do, Sam. That's what you should do, Sam. I just realized as I see myself more sinful and worse than I ever thought imaginable, that must really mean that the God who's forgiven me is far more gracious, far more loving and far more kind than I ever dared imagine. And I think that's part of what like Christian maturity looks like. It's actually realizing a duality of the more we see our sin as real and worse and ugly and dirty, the more wonderful and bright we see God's love for us. It's like the sun against the night, the night sky. The darker the night sky, the brighter the sun. And that's a great and freeing thing. So when I go into ministry now, the surprise is that I am far worse a person than I ever imagined. But the good surprise is that God is far better, far more wonderful, far more gracious than I ever imagined. And if I'm to be a minister of the gospel, it's not really about me. It's about how bright and wonderful and good and loving the God that we serve is. A beautiful reflection and one that I don't think I'll stop learning as I keep going on. It's very humbling, isn't it, to realize that you're not good. Sorry, you're not as good as you thought you were. And um, yeah, it's very, um, it strikes you. And it can, I think sometimes it can lead you to bitterness. Or despair. Or despair. Yeah. Or it could lead you to denial. Or resentment. It can or lead you to a whole bunch yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. But it seems to you, you've embraced it mm. um, in a, how, what would you call it? Embraced it in a... I think I would I would say I've embraced it. Um, uh, I've embraced. I, I think I would say I would have embraced it because it's actually a piece of freeing knowledge, and so I think I've come into it almost like a, a uh, like a child who is orphaned in the slums would look at someone in a mansion. Uh, if they were in the slums for the whole of their life and they realized their life is a mess and dirty and disgusting and not worth much, and the, the man top of the hill, the owner comes down to you and says, do you want to come live inside? The more I realized how crap my slums were, the more amazing I will see his mansion and, and what he offers me. Um, so I'm not sure I'm really answering your question, but I just think the attitude is far more important. Um, the growing realization of where I was 
increases my growing realization of where I'm going towards. How yeah. So I would say it's a freeing thing. I, I think there are elements of where you feel despair, of where you feel bitter, of where you feel like you're not good enough. And I think that's where the gospel lands. You reckon where, you look at what Paul says, uh, of sinners, I am by far the worst. That's Paul's conclusion. Someone we would call a mature Christian, someone who's written most of the New Testament, he comes to the conclusion that he's a far greater sinner. But look at the God that I serve. Look at the slums I have been from. And I look at the owner of the mansion who invites me in. So tell us now, now you are nearing the end of your, close to the end of your hmm. um, year. apprenticeship. What's next? Well, that's a great question. I feel like we're back at the beginning where we, we thought about decisions and where we'd go next uh, and not really knowing. The default, Sam, is that I'm looking at going to Bible college. Uh, and it's another thing that I'm terrified about because I feel like I've thought about going to Bible college for the last eight years, but haven't really thought much about it. And now I'm sort of thrust with the choice of, hey, Popo, you now need to go to college. Where are you going to go? What's that going to mean for your future? I really have to commit. And I'm realizing I'm having some commitment issues. <laughs> to be honest, uh, it's, it's called a little bit of insecurity, a little bit of indecision. But the plan is Bible college. God willing, if nothing changes in my convictions from now to the future, which never really happens, I'll go through Bible college, I'll become ordained maybe in some denomination or not, and I'll probably hope to leave Sydney with the hope of planting a church. Right. That's right. the hope, that's the desire. Yeah. yeah. But tell us who knows? tell us a little bit more about that insecurity part. Yeah. Uh insecurity, always a great conversation starter, always a great thing. It's hard, you know. It's like when I look at Netflix and I look at all the, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, Sam. I know what you're talking. Yes. I will look at all the wonderful seasons that people have told me such great things about yes. to watch. And then I look at how many seasons there are and how many episodes per season there are. <laughs> and then I realize how many hours of commitment that will mean for me and what sacrifices. And then I realize, you know what? I'm going to watch Aladdin. <laughs> because I've watched it about 20 times and I know what's going to happen. It is a two, it is a one and a half hour or so duration. I'm going to start and then finish and I won't have to commit anymore, Sam. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. I don't really want to commit to things because of the cost that it will bear for my future because I don't really know my future. Yeah. It's the natural unknowingness of the future that yeah. makes you scared of making a choice. Now, it's that natural anxiety, the natural desire to want to control things, the natural fear of what if I make the wrong choice yeah. and I'm stuck there? That's so strange. As I'm listening to that, this is different to the popo who just left home. It's as if it's been 10 years since I've done that. It's as if there might be some <laughs> things that have switched on. Not all the things, but I do hope that over time I've grown slightly more wise. Yeah, yeah. Because even if you're, I really believe that even if your instinct as a personality, as your type of person you're, you're made as, everyone has dispositions, I really do believe you can choose to not go by them. Yeah. I think part of growing is that you can make a choice to not be like yourself if that's a bad choice. Yeah. I know that making a reckless choice now for the rest of my life is probably not going to be the wisest yeah. choice. Yeah. I can choose to say no. Even though every bit of my fiber just says, stuff it, Popo. Just do the, just make the answer, make the choice, do an impulsive decision. I probably know it's not the wisest choice in the world. So even though I think I tend towards being reckless and not really thinking through my choices, I've learned to actually think a little bit more than yeah. I normally would. So 
for some of our listeners, they might be thinking, and they might be in the same boat as you and thinking about where to next in their life. Good grief. How would you seek, where would you seek wisdom from? Well, I think uh, one of the best places to do is ask God. I really don't know my future. And lots of our indecision comes from really not knowing the future. One of the great hopes of the gospel is that God is someone who lives outside time, that he knows the future. He holds the future in our hands. There's a, there's a famous quote, actually, that talks about trusting in God in those times and looking to him for wisdom. It's sort of along the lines of, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something along these lines of, I may not know, I, I may not know what the future holds, but I do know the one who holds my future. I do not know what the future holds, but I do know the one who holds my future. If God is the one who holds my future and knows what's going on in the future, he knows what little rocks and bumps will come in my way, I think he's the one we should ask to, to know where is the big stream going? Where I may look like I'm making a massive diversion in my path, but if I just go with the stream, if I go with the big ocean, as you say beforehand, it will all end up good. As our friend from the hotel said. <laughs> See, it's all coming full circle. See that poetic and beautiful. You probably looked there. You probably sat there in your couches, in your home, maybe in your cars, face palmed <laughs> a little bit. That's the correct reaction to have here at Conversations with Earl Grey. We really don't know where we're going. But like our good friend says, Sam, what's the quote? Um, <laughs> if you, um, everything will be good in the end. If it's not good, then it's not the end. If it's not good, it's not the end. Well, last question, Popo. I always love to bring back, you've gone through a journey, you've gone through the start, You've been a break dancer. I always love to bring back and ask the question, do you think God is a break dancer? Do you want to think, well, I'll just end with scripture. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. <laughs> and you might think of that meme where, where Jesus is doing flares in front of the Pope. It's probably a heretical post. But there, the son of man, Jesus, he came to serve. My ass and yours. That was Conversations with my good friend, Popo, Andrew Lowe. If you liked what you just heard, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. We'll see you next week on Conversations with Earl Grey.